Unconditional Kindness, Tales from Times of Uncertainty. So this is part of a series of blogs that I've written. This blog is from March the 30th. And um, I'm just going to read out this blog. This has turned into a long piece. I do get there eventually, I promise. So the theme of this blog, what inspired me. If you want to, you can skip down about two thirds to where I find my way back to unconditional kindness. I thought of making it into two separate blogs, but I like the blog as it is, as I wrote it, and I will leave it up to each reader's own discernment whether to read it all, skim it, or jump to the end, or not read it at all. I'm resi resisting the urge to follow mainstream guidance on how to optimize your accessibility to your audience by keeping blogs at a maximum of 800 words. And I do this because I trust that each reader can and will do what works for them. When it comes to the podcast, uh, feel free to skip ahead um, if I can. I have no experience of this. I will make a marker on the podcast. Um, because I do go around the houses in this blog. Um, but on the other hand, I think it's a fairly good piece of writing. Here we go. I've had some really good days recently. Even a couple of days in a row where I felt pretty all right. And I managed to do enough to feel engaged in life. And to be enough to feel at ease in myself. Today is not a good day. I'm counting my blessings, but I also try to honor how awful I feel physically and how vulnerable I feel emotionally. I tune in and I make sensible adjustments to my plans for the day. I'm sitting outside, feeling the sun on my back and my neck. The neighbors are playing music and luckily I'm on board with their choices. So I nearly feel like singing along. I love our front garden, which we re recreated ourselves a couple of years ago. It pretty much takes care of itself and it's got a lovely mix of spring flowers coming out of the ground and blooming at unbelievable speed at the moment. When I have a crap day, I could weep with relief that my life is stable and flexible enough for me to not have to worry about money or feel overwhelmed with personal or work-related responsibilities. This is partly down to me and the choices I've made over the past 20 years, but it is also down to life, fate or destiny, whatever you want to call it. I do not believe that we are in control of life. I've seen too much injustice and misfortune. I do not believe that you can do anything you want in life if you just dream big, work hard, or think positive thoughts. I do not believe in an individualistic, goal-oriented approach to life. I do not believe in a life lived in fear of being forgotten when you die or of missing out in some way. Life is nature. And nature is the single most amazing, powerful, and magical force that makes everything happen, everything. It is so beyond us puny little humans. We are deeply embroiled in it 
and yet we fight so hard to be above it and in control of it. Most of us have been raised within cultures that have a prejudice against nature, a deep belief that, that it is there to do our bidding, that life and nature are our servants and our stepping stones to make us feel good and achieve so-called success. There's a lot of rhetoric around about how we've mastered nature and that we are at war with nature. And indeed, we have cultivated and manipulated nature for thousands of years, probably even longer. And definitely for so long that we have forgotten our vulnerability and powerlessness in the face of nature's ways. So when we are confronted with it, we are outraged and coward at the same time. Life and nature is not about us. We are not the most important thing in the universe or even on this planet. Nothing is. Everything is part of a dance, organisms intertwining and coexisting, living off each other, killing each other, cycling, spiraling, transforming, and nothing is more important, more entitled than something else. We're just organisms in this dance, and most of the time we are powerless to control life within us and around us. Powerlessness is terrifying. As babies, we are completely dependent on how attuned our surroundings are to us and our needs. We will have powerful physical and emotional experiences of hunger, restlessness, pain, exhaustion, fear and excitement, and a lot of other things. And these experiences will arise within us like a tsunami, like crashing waves. I'll try and say that sentence again, shall, shall I? We will have powerful physical and emotional experiences of hunger, pain, restlessness, exhaustion, fear and excitement. And they will arrive as tsunami-like waves crashing down on our tiny bodies. And we will need help to regulate our systems to navigate or ease what is happening to us. We are in a constant state of co-regulating. And if our immediate surroundings are not supporting us in this, not in tune with us, our little bodies and minds, we are caught in a sensory storm all on our own. No parent or adult can be everything all the time for a baby. So I believe that we all carry with us deeply imprinted experiences of powerlessness and loneliness and that these shape us to a much higher degree than we realize. We make decisions and behave in ways that help us avoid feeling like that again. Our life could become a dance of avoidance. We struggle to trust that we are interdependent beings because our experience of being separate and alone was so intense. We tell each other stories about heroes on their individual journeys to achieving their goals, slaying the dragon, saving the kingdom and winning the prize. We talk about role models who have single-handedly changed the course of history. And we are keen to believe that this is what is in store of us in, for us in our loneliness. That the individual journey is all that matters that we create our own fortune 
and that being alone ultimately brings us happiness. That is not what a body remembers as overwhelmingly distressing and impossible to deal with. So, just to clarify, what I'm saying is that this hero story, fairy tale we're telling ourselves and each other about the individual journey is all about how amazing it's going to be and um, actually this is not how our body remembers it. So it's a kind of, we're trying to deny or cover up this painful uh, experience of being deeply alone by making our aloneness into something uh, that's going to, you know, ultimately give us happiness. Um, and by doing this, by denying that loneliness is distressing and not like you know, the journey to happiness, um, our lives could become a dance of proving our bodies wrong, punishing it for reminding us how painful it can be to be human. We can acknowledge and deeply feel our powerlessness and still have agency. They are not mutually exclusive. We can acknowledge and deeply feel our separateness while also experiencing how interdependent we truly are. I believe as humans, we are at the mercy of life and nature. But I also believe that there are choices we can make that can shape us and, part, and the path that we walk. Those choices are about the here and now. How do I choose to navigate this moment and this moment and this moment? Sometimes life is too much and we do not get to choose. Autopilot kicks in, we go into survival mode or our less conscious minds and patterns dictate our responses, words and actions. This is okay. It's natural and it's understandable, always. We are complex organisms engage in a multiple simultaneous dance of nature. Not, we are not mechanical instruments controlled by willpower. Making conscious choices about how to navigate the here and now is hard, like really hard, especially in the kind of culture and society I'm part of where speed, efficiency, appearances, and productivity are highly valued. To stop, feel, and think almost feels like a radical act. Some people say it gets easier with practice, and that is why meditation and mindfulness can be a daily aim. I don't know about this. I know that a rigid self-discipline driven practice is not for me. And also, there are just so many possible situations and scenarios that I couldn't practice enough for to ever feel able to navigate in a conscious way. To make conscious choices about how I can best navigate the here and now, I personally lean heavily on my core values. One of those are that dualism is a construct imposed and reinforced by language. There is no oppositional difference between right and wrong, black and white, day and night, woman and man, up and down, in and out, good and evil, 
victim and perpetrator, and so on. There are no oppositional difference. They are different. There are differences between these things, but they're not in opposition to each other. They exist as part of a spectrum. And a lot of the time, these things that we can perceive as fundamentally different have more things that overlap or have more things in common than things that separate them. And they are deeply dependent on each other even if we choose to see them as opposites. Another value I hold strongly is unconditional kindness. This is tied into my belief that dualism is a construct because if nothing is either right or wrong, then where we offer kindness cannot be reliant on our preferences for what we perceive as good or deserving. Social media has brought us the possibility of practicing public, public shaming without inhibition. It is open to all, we can all do it. Um, so rather than some authority deciding which offender sits in the pillory, now Anyone who has internet access and the skill to use social media can create a pillory and put someone there for everyone else to throw rotten fruit at. This is very anxiety provoking for me. Not because I feel like I have loads of things I deserve punishment or shaming for, but because I have always felt on the edges of what is considered socially acceptable and normal. I never felt like I fitted in. Even writing this, my body starts shaking. This is okay, and it is useful that my body shakes. It tells me about passions I have and emotions I feel while I'm sitting here trying to articulate something difficult. I want to say a bit more about my belief around unconditional kindness. First of all, I do realize that it's a value I hold um, while also acknowledging that it is an ideal and it's not something that's easy to apply when in the throes of daily life dramas. Secondly, I think kindness is universal, but for me, I have a lot of association to Christian beliefs because I was brought up in a Christian-based culture. And... Uh, I have associations like the Good Samaritan, turning the other cheek, be kind and compassionate to another, do unto others what you want them to do unto you, and so on. So uh, this idea that Jesus is kindness in action. Um, but for me now, and how I approach kindness now, uh, I can't get away from that. That's where it's founded in me, you could sort of say, um, through culture and society. Um, kindness to me today is the practice of least harm. No harm is impossible. We do not know the full consequences of any action 
And in a world full of diversity, what feels good to one person will feel hurtful to someone else. So it is impossible to do no harm, I believe. However, there are guiding principles for doing the least harm, which we can try and follow. And then keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best, acknowledging our powerlessness and agency at once. Where I live, we have a lot of big signs saying kindness. They're put there by some groups within our community and personally, I quite like it. I like it as a reminder when I go around a town um, to practice kindness. However, they do not represent our local community as a whole. There are people who find these signs offensive, uncalled for, and just plain silly. And I guess they have a point too. Because can kindness work when one part of community imposes a kindness policy on everyone? Especially when we may not have agreed upon what kindness is. Um, but this is where unconditional kindness comes in for me. Not as something I want everyone else to practice, but as something that helps me deal with tensions around me and the impact these tensions have on my body and my mind. It could probably sound pretty horrible to a lot of people, I realise that, just like the concept of forgiveness can create a lot of strong emotions. But for me, I find unconditional kindness helpful because it is kindness practiced without expectations and without discernment. It is something I do for me first. And secondly, I do it because I am inseparable from the world around me. I can approach everything within me and around me with the intention of being present, observant, thoughtful, and of doing least harm. I can do this without expecting anything in return. When I do this, I find freedom. It is an intense, humbling and annihilating sense of freedom. I feel separate and intertwined at the same time. I am free to respond the way I feel most appropriate while also experiencing how important the response I get back from my surrounding is for my existence. This is maddening and scary and wonderful. There are some posts going around in our local Facebook groups about a man being rude to a woman working in a shop when she requested him to put on a mask. The rudeness was so intense that the woman ended up in tears. This incident has been written about and the man is now being publicly shamed, so far without being named. There are expressions of support for the woman support for the shop and their way of doing things, as well as comments about how some people are exempt from wearing masks. And there is a lot of damnation of the man and his outrageous behaviour.
One of the arguments that people are using to write off this man and support the woman are this local is this local kindness policy, which the man has obviously offended against. And no one is pointing out the double standards that are shining through in this argument. How come we are supposed to show how come we are not supposed to show the man and the woman in this painful incident kindness? Why why are we having to discern be discerning about this kindness only goes in one direction? It's discriminate, you know, it's a discriminant kind of kindness, it's not for everyone. <laughs> I just don't get it. On a physical level, everything in me bucks against stuff like this. My physical response is so strong that I, at first I can't think um, about, I can't think what it is that feels so off for me. And then when my head clears and I can articulate myself, uh, and I can articulate what I feel and think, I'm then faced with the frustrating reality that I don't feel safe enough to write a comment to say my piece. So I stay quiet and I process my responses in other ways. Uh, I express myself in other places, like here in the blog. These posts about the rude man and the shop assistant in tears have been going around for a day or two. I tried to make Facebook hide them but Facebook is doing its own thing, so they are still popping up. When one of the posts popped up again this morning, I started to write a comment. After five words, I started shaking so much that I decided to leave it. I was reminded how when I do comment on things that often are much less tricky than this particular thing, it can affect me for days. I keep checking for responses, keep thinking how to respond to imagined comments and I feel excited and vulnerable at the same time. And it is actually just not worth it. I want to change the world by speaking my truth. I want to change people. I want to be the hero. I want to be the one who gets it right. The magician who has the key to unlocking the doors to communal, harmonious coexistence. But I can't, I am not, and I don't. So I decided to be unconditionally kind to myself, to offer myself space and time to just be, to hold myself with fierce compassion, to create space where I can express myself in ways that make sense to me without expectations and without an end goal. And here I am, exhausted, with a headache and deep uncertainty about how the rest of the day is going to pan out. I don't even have a sense of time today. I have no clue what time it is right now. Um, I had hopes and plans for today. Those are not going to happen something else is going to unfold and I sit here and I wait and I try to stay in touch with the things that make my life meaningful.